episode of Breaking Mayberry, the podcast that will keep you company long after your children have moved out of the house and you're all alone. You've got us still. Yeah. We'll be here in your twilight years forever. Mm-hmm. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. And when you die, we do expect to be written into your will because everybody else is gone. It's just us. Where are your kids? They're gone. They're not here to help you. We are. That's going to work at least on one guy. <laughs> You're that other host, Dan Ludwig. I'm the other host, Dan uh, Ludwig. <laughs> God, that we, was... We should, wow. we should actually start making that that play just like hey if you're listening to this and you're like wouldn't it be funny to write these guys into my will do it that <laughs> that would be that would piss off your family a lot and it would be pretty funny as a bit if you gave us like 20% of your wealth when you die huh yeah 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 couldn't hurt you'll be dead i actually am doing like some estate plans some very early stuff of this mm-hmm. right now like i met with a financial advisor and I get uh, like legal services as a benefit through my job. Uh, so since I'm getting married, the financial advisors are pretty much like, "Yeah, you need to start getting a will together, mm-hmm. you know, so that you know when you if you die, stuff can go to your spouse." And I was against it at first because I said, "Like, well, I don't know if I really need that. Sarah and I don't own any property together besides the car." And I had a thought, and I was like, "I need to stipulate in my will." What happens to the podcast if I die? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need to put in the will that Dan Ludwig gets the po- gets the uh, I get the podcast the passwords. You get the podcast. Do you? Uh, and I need to. Did you I need name to a replacement like, co-host? <laughs> but I I also need to stipulate like uh, financial terms, right? Because we pay for hosting and stuff on this. So in order for the the podcast to continue to exist, my legacy basically. I have to fucking put my podcast in my last <laughs> will and testament. Because it's a source of income. <laughs> it's a source of income. And also, it's like how people will remember me. Yeah. You got to do this too, motherfucker. You're getting married. You should also get a will together. Oh, I, I have a will. Are you you have a will? I have a Word doc saved on my computer. And in the event of my death, it does say open this. And it names all who gets all what's. Of course, it's not a binding legal document, but I'm hoping people will honor my wishes. Um, and, and this is true, at the bottom of it, it accuses someone of my murder, uh, and I change who it is every year. Um, so it does say, like, no matter how clear the terms of my death is, I suspect that this person may be plotting my murder. One year it was Max. One year it was my mom. Uh, one year it was actually you. Um, I was gonna say, is it me currently? No, it's not you currently. Okay, so I've I've already rolled the dice on this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's my coworker Paul. So yeah, yeah. So I have one. You should put that in your will. By the way, it's pretty fun because you just kind of have a ticking time bomb. Number one, now you have to change this because you just acquitted Paul. That's true. So now you, now you got to switch it again. That just means when when it happens, his attorney is gonna have to listen to the podcast and look for evidence to acquit him. Better hope I don't die, bitch. I'm gonna change it back to you. <laughs> Should probably just leave it on you, like every other year. It has to be me, right? Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. No, the Max was very upset the year it was him. He did not care for that development. Yeah, I mm, I'm going to go ahead and, and say this on the air. Dan, mm-hmm. please don't accuse me of your murder. Not this year, you're Dan, saying. Dan, what happens if you're actually murdered? <laughs> what happens if somebody shoots you? <laughs> then the person in the dock is going to have to answer some questions with the police, which I find so funny, where they're going to be like, they're going to have to say, where were you at the time of Dan Ludwig's death? And they're going to say like, well, I didn't have an alibi. <laughs> I was at home. So it'll be pretty great. Jesus Christ, I'm going to need to start tracking <laughs> yeah. all of my whereabouts. Yeah, I am going to change it because now Paul is in the clear. But I'll just put it, maybe I, I should really like get a random number generator, like a D20 for something to pick it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to like call my father once every couple of hours and just be like, hey dad, no, I don't need anything. I'm just making sure that the cell phone records ping me here at my, at my location where Dan Ludwig isn't. Well, if anything... This is an incentive for you to keep me alive. So, like... I thought you were going to say it's an incentive for me to, like, connect with my father. (laughs) Yes, also. That's kind of a good thing. You see, it's it's a net positive. You get closer to your dad. You need to keep me from dying. It's just, like, it's just a ticking time bomb. Everybody has to kind of keep me alive because you don't know if it's your year. Cool. How Also, also, potentially... What if that year Max does murder me, and it's a perfect Columbo murder, just like plans the shit out of it, nails it, and then that's his year. And boom, it all falls apart. He didn't see it coming. He didn't think that there was going to be a word doc naming him as my murderer. Bing, bang, boom. I'm, I'm going to point out a flaw in your plan here, buddy. Yeah. How do we know to open the word doc? Oh, it says in, uh, it's the time, the name of the doc is, in the event of my death, open this. And it's all- Is it on the desktop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, you guys gotta go on there to find all my porn, so while you're there, you'll just see my will. (laughs) Alright, cool, this rules. Yeah. Uh, Am I mentioned anywhere else in the will? No, (laughs) fuck you. No, I should do the podcast thing. But other than that, no, you're screwed. Okay, all right. I mean, honestly, like, all all the podcast bills are in my name anyway. So, yeah. like, it doesn't matter for you. Yeah, I don't uh, even know the login to our Patreon. Yeah, so I gotta give you that if I die. <laughs> put it in the will. We put it in the will. two Next... very different approaches to this. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? Why did we open up the episode in such a strange and bizarre way? That's because we're doing... Another, yet another Backdoor Lovers. Yeah, not a working title. We're doing yet another Backdoor Lovers, and this is about a sitcom that existed for mm-hmm. a long time called Empty Nest. Yes. Uh, Empty Nest, which is about the Empty Nest Syndrome, about people uh, not really being able to know what to do after their children have grown up and left the house and are feeling lonely. And you'll notice that I'm intentionally kind of not discussing the plot of the tv show like not telling you what it's about and that's because shit is weird yes okay yeah so we gotta we gotta go very linearly with this backdoor lovers is a breaking maybe very mini series uh where we talk about backdoor pilots failed or in this case semi-failed attempts to make spinoffs of a show 
by like forcing characters into an existing episode. Yeah. So that's what we did here. But this is an unusual one. Yeah. So this is a spinoff of Golden Girls. Kind of. Yes. Uh, kind of, it, it, the backdoor pilot occurs within Golden Girls, and once the ser- series took off, uh, Golden Girls actually, like, they, the girls popped in every now and then to just be, like, walking briskly through this, love it, all good. So, this is our first successful backdoor pilot that's- Kind of. Kind of. I do want to kind of, like, put some background on this. So the re- this was the one I insist on. This is basically why we did this miniseries, because during like the first two months of lockdown, um, that period before we fa- like work from home started and we all had like all the free time in the world, we picked our pandemic show. Uh, it was Golden Girls. And for about five months, watching Golden Girls was my whole ass job. Uh, I woke up in the morning. I I brushed my teeth, I put on Golden Girls, and I watched Golden Girls until I was too tired to do that, and then I played video games. So, to brief aside, Golden Girls is not a show that is meant to be watched all at once. It is meant to be watched once a week, at maximum, because their antics go from funny to horrifying real fast if you watch them in rapid succession. Blanche Devereaux is a fucking monster. (laughs) She is, like, the worst person ever portrayed on television. So, during this sort of haze of just Golden Girl episode after Golden Girl episode, the end of season two comes on, titled Empty Nest. Um, No, 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 no. It is Empty Nests. Empty Nests. Plural. Plural. And you, and you you need to clarify that. Yes. Uh, you need to make sure there is a difference between Empty Nests and Empty Nest. Yes. Which is what it later became. So I'm being very picky and pedantic, and you'll find out why. So I just want you to... I, I gave you that background because I want you to imagine how surreal it was to have Golden Girls very slowly turn into a different show over the course of an episode uh, while in a COVID-induced haze of um, just like, wait, who's this lady? Who's this guy? Who the fuck is this guy? And who is this person? What is happening? Where are my good friends, the Golden Girls? I don't understand this. I hate this. This is uncomfortable and weird. Um... And and it kind of left like a mental scar tissue where just like that that sort of like bewilderment is forever burned into my brain. And then so you had never we said this is kind of uh, a successful pilot, right? Mm. Or kind of successful backdoor pilot, but it's not. So the characters, the events, everything that came out of the episode we're about to tell you about, uh Got scrapped. Yeah, 100%. It was tossed out the window. So by the time we got to the actual television show, Empty Nest, which ran for seven seasons. Seven fucking seasons, which is insane. It is insane. Which ran from seven seasons, from 1988 to 1995, prime early 90s sitcom period of time. And as far as I can tell, nobody remembers. I have a vague memory of seeing the I, the show exist. Yeah, like I have a vague memory of maybe like looking at the uh, opening credits at one point in time, 
but by the time we got to Empty Nest, completely different show, 99% different cast, except for the most annoying person in the entire show. And it was just a completely different thing. Uh, almost entirely unrelated. It honestly didn't even make sense as a, a Golden Girls spinoff. We didn't find out until a couple of, of episodes in that these people were neighbors of the Golden Girls, which yes. technically makes it not a spinoff, but really more of a shared universe. Yeah. Whatever. All right. So let's the, talk the GGCU. About... Yeah. <laughs> there is a GGCU. Yes. There are there are multiple Golden Girls spinoffs and spinoffs of those spinoffs. I didn't know this. Yeah, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing those women had. They uh, tried to do a George Clooney spinoff uh, where he plays a young FBI agent that does a stakeout of the Golden Girls home. They kind of felt that out of like, oh, this guy's pretty charming, right? George Clooney with a mullet. He's an FBI agent. No, 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 not feeling it. Not feeling it. OK, cool. We'll continue. We'll keep going on. They, they were constantly testing out like other other shit. Golden Girls, if you're not familiar with Golden Girls, uh, ran in the late 80s, early 90s. It was a show about uh, four, I'm not going to say elderly, four older women uh, in their 50s, 60s, and one woman in her 80s uh, who lived around or together in Miami. No, no, no. They uh, all shared a house. Yeah, shared a they, house. They, okay. were, they were roommates. Yeah, why am I doing this? You're, yeah, you're yeah. the Golden so Girls expert in this. It's... Um, Four widowed mothers and grandmothers. Um, three of them are, are recently either widowed or divorced. One of them has their uh, mother, Sophia, who is uh, partially senile, move in. They all are roommates. They all are trying to date post-divorce. There are several antics. It features B. Arthur, Betty White, Rue McClanahan, um, and who plays, uh, who plays Sophia? Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty. Um, Pretty much everyone recognizes G Golden Girls as a good show. Capital G good. One like, of the best of one, all time. One of the best shows. Like a, a, a television hallmark. Diminishing returns on everything else. So let's talk about the worst episode of Golden Girls. Universally acknowledged by most Golden Girls fans. Yes. And that is season two, episode 26. Last episode of the season. Empty Nests. Yeah. Uh, written by Susan Harris, directed by Jay Sandrich. Originally airs May 16th, 1987. Here is your one-sentence summary from the ultra-geriatric Golden Girls wiki. The ultra-sexual Golden Girls wiki. The ultra-postmenopausal Golden <laughs> Girls wiki. Paul Dooley and Rita Moreno suddenly appear and then disappear as friends and neighbors of Blanche, Dorothy, Rose, and Sophia, contending with family and friends in this initial spin-off pilot idea for Empty Nest. The family is never seen or mentioned again. <laughs> it does that sound is, like they got unpersoned. <laughs> like they were they, all black bags by the government. So I I don't wanna like I don't wanna gloss over that. Uh one of the people in this proposed spinoff is, you see, you have character actor Paul Dooley. You don't know who he is, but if you Google him, you'll go, oh, that guy, because you've seen him in stuff. He's a working actor. And the other person is star of stage and screen, mm -hmm. critical darling, Rita, West Side Story, Moreno. Mm -hmm. Rita, goddamn Moreno is this, is, is in here. 
And she walks into the show like, I've been here the whole time. It's the weirdest thing where you you start up an episode of Golden Girls. Um, they are having a conversation about how their dishwasher is broken. So they need to have Mr. Fix-It come by uh, to repair the dishwasher. Um, and then Rita Moreno just kind of walks in and be like, hey, what's up? I'm the protagonist of this now. Where they all are like, Rita, tell us. Uh, what's her her name as the character? Renee? Renee. Yeah, yeah, they're like, Renee, tell us all about your life that we all know about. And we're kind of acting like the audience does, too. And she's like, well, let me tell you, girls. So it's it's this weird element where just suddenly the, the show you are watching has a new protagonist at the central of center of the entire thing. And... It actually, from from a storytelling and just like screenwriting perspective, uh, it's a little interesting because they don't really straight up tell you what Renee's whole deal is. She kind of walks in and she's like, hey, girls, let's go out and hang out. I want to hang out. Let's do this. And B. Arthur's character, Blanche, says, you didn't talk to him, did you? Yeah. We don't know who him is. We don't know what they're talking about. We kind of start in media res with this a little bit here. So we're just like, not only are we introduced to a totally new character, uh, but we're like, apparently there was some stuff beforehand that we don't know about. So we don't know anything. We're basically halfway through the episode and they just didn't show the first half of it. (laughs) We're We're just kind of in the falling action of it. And like, all backdoor pilots are really jarring and weird. They're like, none of them are smooth and you can always like, they're always very transparent of what they're trying to accomplish. And this is probably like the smoothest one in that it has the main characters there and then gradually they fade away. Like it's less and less about the golden girls with every subsequent scene until they are gone. Um, And, and it's like, like, like they just kind of like fade off. Dan, one one. I'm gonna say I do not think that you should describe the characters in the Golden Girls <laughs> as fading away. Yeah, I do not think that should be the terminology Which you I should don't, have used. Just one by one, they fade away into the darkness, uh, and you're just left there without them, with just the memory of the Golden Girls. What's wrong about that? So this is very embarrassing, but I am gonna say it again. This was my COVID show. This got me through a bulk of it. One of my uh, Christmas presents for Brianna was that we went to go see the Golden Girls puppet show. Uh, what? Yeah, they did a puppet show in Philadelphia of the of a Golden Girls episode. It was sick. Golden Girls with puppets. That sounds dope. It ruled, dude. You can basically go see a puppet ver- puppet show version of anything. You wanna you wanna go watch a puppet show of Arrow season two? They're probably doing it at the Kimmel Center right now. So they did a fake Golden Girls episode with puppets about Sophia faking her death. And Wait, this was a fake episode? This yeah, like they a, like wrote a, basically a spec script for boo. Golden Girls. No, it was actually pretty good. It was well written. Um, it was They did a spec script of Golden Girls where Sophia fakes her death, acted it out with puppets, and they have a, they're having a conversation about death at the end. And um, real quick, this was two days after Betty White had, so they hadn't had a chance to do any rewrites. And it ends with Betty White's character saying, oh, do you think one day there will only be one of us left? 
and it was supposed to get like an ah, and instead it got ice cold, mournful silence <laughs> that you could have drowned in. <laughs> and they just we got we. We gotta start recording video for this because my jaw's on the fucking floor. It was an inc- holy shit. Because you could kind of one, you could feel the sorrow emanating from the audience, but you could also feel the panic coming off of the stage because they were like, "We didn't have anything," so there was panic emanating off the stage because they were definitely like we have no idea how this is going to play they could we don't we can't rewrite it it's too late they're (laughs) they definitely were like we don't know if they're going to rush the stage and and kill us so that was an experience okay uh, oh my god all right all right okay so so back um, to back to so empty em- empty nests empty nests plural uh rita moreno comes in as renee and said and she's trying to get the girls to hang out with her and they're like you need to go talk to him him is her husband and we get bits and pieces of their their relationship through this she's like how can i tell him that i'm lonely uh, he's doing important work. He's saving lives, and you go, okay. He's a doctor. Yeah. All right. They call him and a then, saint. Is his name Peter? I think it's. They call him Saint Peter. George. He's saint saint George. George. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that's that's their deal, and they. It's it's very weird what they choose to spell out for you, and what they choose to like give you context clues because they never like. It takes them a while to say he's a doctor. Yes. But eventually they do. Like you know he does work at a hospital, but then. But then, like the B. Golden Arthur Girls looks, all know him because he's like a, a an he's old their people doctor. doctor, and he explosively yeah, yeah. sees like basically the seniors of Miami. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Sophia says like I gave him a stool sample last week. If if I can talk about that, you can talk about your marriage. Pretty uh, good. And pretty good joke for, uh, from Rose of he's the only person to ever see me naked, uh, except for my husband and my vet. Uh, yes, which they get some good material out of. We can't stop. I'm yeah. sorry. I can't stop for I'm all sorry, the good jokes from the Golden Girls in this. I'll, I will say this. Like, I didn't realize how much of the Golden Girls uh, really just is reaction gifts. Yes. <laughs> like, so much of the Golden Girls is a char- one character says something, and then we just cut to another character, usually B. Arthur. Yes. Staring at them for three to four seconds wordlessly. Yes. One, and then moving on. That is 100% the formula of the show is... Uh, uh, is Blanche or Rose says something stupid. Four seconds of silence from B. Arthur? Cutting remark. You got yourself a scene. Um, so after this conversation, basically... I, yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm gonna have some, like, diehards uh, yell at me. Yeah, I keep referring to uh, B. Arthur's character as Blanche. B. Arthur played Dorothy. Yeah. My bad. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Blanche is the sex one. Just yeah. the one that fucks. The, the sex one. <laughs> the sex <Yeah>. one. <laughs> uh, all right. So so we we got to get through this. So okay. now we know we know, we know everything. It's it's either hinted at or spelled out for us. Dorothy straight up spells it out. Like your kids have gone to college. Your daughter has gone away. It's natural for you to feel this way. Uh, there's a pretty good joke where Rose says that she also had ne- empty nest syndrome, but by the time she talked to her husband about it. He died. Yeah. Uh, and 
then she was too busy grieving for him to feel the empty nest syndrome. We again, we can't just keep repeating the good stuff that the Golden Girls bring, but we kind of have to cling to it because it's the only good stuff. Because they're going away, they're sliding out. Because next thing we do, we we remember it like twenty five minutes ago. We said that they were waiting for Mister Fix It to come and fix the. Uh, the dishwasher i assumed that was like a company yeah or like you know no mr fix it is a guy so, on the show or maybe i should say one third of a guy so dan we, we get to we we move to the new set the empty nest set um where they start to do the central conflict of the episode where renee is unhappy that her doctor husband is working too much and as a result is neglectful and she's bored because she doesn't have kids to enrich her life anymore and they start to get into that and then the show just goes this is boring as shit <laughs> let's bring in a guy with did <laughs> and then renee's brother walks in says what's up i'm out of the hospital i'm off my meds uh and i have three personalities uh, we're going to do a lot of jokes about me needing three bedrooms when I'm renting an apartment. Can I go upstairs and play with your dog that doesn't exist? And they they just take all of this in incredible strides. So yeah. he goes up as... To be clear, this is how they introduce the character. He knocks on the door. Paul Dooley, George, George is the name of the character. George opens it, says, hi, Chuck. And uh, Chuck says... Paul, I'm a multiple personality. I'm a multiple personality. That's how he says it. How did you know which one I was? And he was like, well, your other two personalities uh, use use a key. Yeah. Like, that is the joke. And I, they, they bring this character in for these two scenes. We only see two out of the three personalities, which I'm furious about. Oh, they were definitely saving what the third personalities deal with deal was because they had not figured that out yet and they did not want to lock themselves into anything they were like we got ernie who's the normal one and then they quickly he goes upstairs and he comes back down the golden girls show up they're like we approve of all of this and we think that this plot is great and then the brother comes we'd really back. like to see more of this yeah so i would love to see this in a 24 minute format on a weekly basis would it all of you studio audience and as they're doing this, brother-in-law comes down as basically the point of the show, <laughs> Mr. Fix-It, who is, he talks in a, you know, a, a, a sort of a, a southern drawl little bit, uh, and he is a handyman who delusionally thinks that he can do incredible feats of workmanship, like uh, change their toilet so that you can turn it off and on with a remote. And he comes down, basically he just says, I've been on a rampage upstairs. I've tried to fix several things. Sounds like from the from the way he's talking about it, he might have blown up their toilet. Um, and <laughs> so, Sophia's just going, I love this guy. She explicitly says, Mr. Fix-It, I love this guy. <laughs> just being like, and don't all of you. <laughs> this is, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> this is kind of the pitch. Mr. Fix-It, you on board? And he just goes, I'm going to go over to the highway. I'm going to try to flag down motorists so I can fix their cars. And everybody's like, sounds good, bud. 
So like the, the un, 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 until until Rose asks her to him to come over and fix their dishwasher, which doesn't yeah. sound like he'll be successful. Doesn't at, sound or, like a thing he's able to do. No, I think which is I think the reason the dishwasher was broken is because Mister Fix It had at it. So they establish this fucking character whose basic deal is he is a delusional handyman that uh, demolishes everything he touches. Uh, by thinking he's basically like a, a mechanical wizard. And honestly, Marty, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm, I do this. Like, I don't, I, I just, I don't understand why he needed to be a multiple personality, had multiple personality disorder in the first place. I don't understand why he had to be an intentional comedy version of the movie Split. I mode intentional because fuck off, Shyamalan. Yeah. Uh, uh, but like I don't understand it, and also it doesn't matter because that's a rap on Mister Fiction. <laughs> yeah, he's out. That's a rap on Chuck. They fucking they bring get, him in. They they he disappears. Well, they don't want you give. Don't, they don't want to give you too much of Mister Fix It. They want to keep you begging for more. They want you to be like, please, God, more Mister Fix It. I need to tune in on a weekly basis to see his antics. They know instead. They know <laughs> he's the hook. It's like they realized in the middle of taping what a bad idea this character yeah. was. And then just got rid of him immediately. And then replaced him with a different guy. Because for the rest of the episode, uh, a character named Oliver, who's like the annoying, like womanizing, misogynist next door neighbor, is also is hanging out and filling the role that you would think Chuck would be in how, there for. How much, how long did you go thinking that Oliver was the third personality? Until I looked at the Wikipedia just now. <laughs> yes! Right? It just seems like the natural thing for him to be is the third personality of the multiple personality guy. I I, I really... It took me a long time to realize that, yeah, that's a different guy. It's a diff- Partially because the first two personalities came and left so quickly, so I didn't really remember what that guy looked like. So now there's a different guy. His name is Oliver... He's an annoying macho, like he's a test pilot. He's, he's Barney got Stinson. He's a leather jacket. He is Barney Stinson. Uh, he talks a little bit like this. Talks he is kind of seedy. Yeah, he's kind of a dirtbag, but maybe he's got a heart. They don't actually get to any heart of gold. He's just a fucking dirtbag. No, he's bag. a piece of shit. He's <laughs> he's like, dirt, like that, that was the other thing. They were like, okay, well, we're getting rid of the guy with the, with multiple personalities. How about just a fucking asshole? <laughs> what if? And it's great because Oliver rolls in. He's like, hey, I'm a, I'm a pilot. And uh, let me tell you about some sex I had earlier today. It was pretty great. And I'm going to come in. And have one of your beers. And you think that they're going to be like, oh, Oliver, you're a lovable rascal. And instead they're like, get out of here. Go. Get out of my house. Leave. We all hate you. And we don't want you here. Please leave. Get out of my house. And he's like, I'm going to participate in this storyline. And they're like, I wish you wouldn't. I wish you wouldn't, Oliver. You're not making it better, either from a character perspective or an overarching story perspective. You're not really making this better. So me, a fictional character, is basically commenting on the structure of the episode. You aren't working. This, you don't have legs, Oliver, okay? I did think it was very mean. When I thought it was that he was the brother-in-law, that they were like, Oliver, we're having a family conversation right now, and you're not supposed to be part of it. I'm like, stop being so fucking mean to your brother, Rita Moreno. He should be part of this. Yeah. Now now I understand he's a different guy, so I get it. Whatever. Yeah, fuck that guy. 
who also, by the way, uh, is the like detention teacher, the detention instructor that Julia Stiles flashes to get Heath Ledger out of detention in 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, what- That's where you recognize that guy from, if, if you were wondering. <laughs> he's a good he's a good actor i feel like scene. i've, I've heard bit. his voice he's, he's and i've been like he's a good dirtbag you've definitely heard his voice in a bunch of animated stuff as oh 100 well. yeah. i'm like you've said some shit on wild thornberries that's like yeah, yeah. I'm pre- you voiced a sassy cheetah or something like that um, anyway yeah that that's that's his deal they just bring in an a, a, a dirtbag just a dirtbag a, a dirtbag just... with zero redeeming qualities to just be kind of a dirtbag around them and and uh, like they bring it, they bring back Dorothy to be like, hey, I I have some opinions on your marriage, and I want to kind, I'm here to kind of move the plot forward and sort of poke you guys with a stick to to have developments. And and she comes in and char- and uh, Oliver's like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, fuck off, no, <laughs> yeah. you're the worst yeah. character, no, yeah, even even we even have history, and it was hor- it was a horrible experience for me. It's not even playful. You sh- you showed up at a party at my house with two naked ladies and threw up in my pool. I was not charmed at all. Yeah, it's really funny because remember the only role that the Golden Girls have here is to show up and say this is great. You should want more of this, and the Golden Girls appear and say this guy sucks. This guy- we hate this fucking guy, Mister Fix It. Overwhelming Great. stamp of approval. Board. Love yeah. it. Bring him over our house that whenever guy. you want. Literally, literally look at the camera and say how much we love him. Yes. This guy, we hate. We, the original cast members, <laughs> cannot get on board with Oliver. Yes. We do not sign off on, on Oliver, okay? <laughs> Where is Mr. Fixit? Why is Mr. Fixit not here? That has legs. We, the Golden Girls, are saying this. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Oliver are not representative <laughs> of those of Golden Girls Industries. <laughs> Basically, B. Arthur turns to the camera and says, "Like I did not sign up for this shit." <laughs> Fuck it. So I let's did- let's let's talk about the actual conflict here, right? So so Renee tries to tell her husband, "I'm lonely. You're not really paying attention to me," and he keeps getting distracted by phone calls uh, from his patients or whatever. I thought this. I was. I thought this bit was funny. I thought it had an okay moment. It was an okay flow. Rita Moreno was great. Paul Dooley's very funny. He takes a phone call. He's like, "Hey, great news. That is great news, Mr. Davidson. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'll talk to you later. Bye." Click. Mr. Davidson peed. Yeah. We're both very relieved. And I was like, "All right, that's good. It's a good bit. I'm liking this. Okay." It kind of. I could have. I could have been on board with this. Like, I. I felt for her. I. It kind of has a feasible conflict because, like, she wants more time with her husband now that her kids are out of the house. But he's a doc. He's a good doctor who cares about his patients. So it's kind of like a a a, a realistic, sympathetic conflict where you're not like, ah, he's a piece of shit. He's always down at Wall Street trying to make money. It's like, no, he's actually like just devoted to like. He 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 is ignoring her. He's like he's not present at all. Even even as she's straight up saying we have problems, I'm not happy. He's kind of brushing her off. Yeah. Uh, she expresses that she wants to go back to work. Apparently, she worked at some version of sh- in show business or whatever. She was uh, in ads. She, she was, was quote the legs in a box of cigarettes. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. And he was like, "You were selling cigarettes. Not okay." Little demeaning to her her career a little bit, where he was like, "Fuck your job, it sucked." But but also like 
yeah, I mean, that is upsetting to him and his job and his whole thing. Like, yeah, sure, whatever. Com- good. Conflict and comedy. Conflict and comedy. Keep it going. Go Paul and Rita. Go Paul and Rita. It's, it's Don't need any working. of this other shit. Yeah. And, like, it does end where it, it, it comes to a crux where she, I'm not going to say leaves him, but she does. She kind of leaves him. Yeah, she, she goes, goes. She goes to New York to go, like maybe look into working a little bit more. Like yeah. they don't, they don't split up. She doesn't say, "I'm leaving you." She you says, "Like I'm, I'm going to go, like, go visit our daughter at Columbia University." And um, oh yeah, uh, that's right. The, there, the, the, I'll look into maybe taking up modeling again. Oh yeah, that's right. The daughter does show up. Uh, Jenny Corliss shows up, and she's. Uh, comes back she's like i i went to columbia but my boyfriend broke up with me so now i'm sad and i don't want to go back and then like i i could see how that if if this empty nest had become a show that would be an entire episode too right like making sure jenny goes back and feels good about herself and realize and realizes she don't need no man or whatever like that would have been an entire episode to itself here it's just kind of like pushed aside like jenny shows up uh the golden girls are like We've all been rejected before, and Blanche is like, "Not me, I'm a slut." Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and not me, I'm and, a slut. And I banged one of my college professors. Yeah, actually, Blanche uh, gets a very long and funny monologue about just like being horny for college professors, and she basically does a uh, a Harlequin novel version of a like right there in this scene for a couple of minutes and then we cut away to b arthur who stares at her for five seconds and then move on fucking keep doing this yeah keep uh, on going <laughs> dude can i, can so, I so, talk about what a monster blanche is just get it out of my system yes but so l- let me just let yeah. me just expand here so so jenny comes and goes basically as a reason to get renee to new york when they convince jenny uh to go back to school by saying they will cut her off and never speak to her again. Mm-hmm. Jokingly. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, that gives Renee a reason to go to New York. She's like, I'm going to take our son- our daughter back up. And then I'm going to look into modeling agencies while I'm there. I don't know how long I'll be back. So it's kind of a threat. It's kind of. Kind well, she of also a, does. A a, she does a threat. They're, they have an interaction where she says. um, She says, like, I need something to do now that my. Uh, now that I, my kids are out of school. And he goes like, well, what, um, what do your friends do now that all their kids are around? And she goes like, well, they take up hobbies. They do charity work. Some of them have affairs. And it's kind of, it's explicitly a threat of like, start paying attention to me or I'm going to fuck some guy. And instead of being at all face, he just goes like, wait, which of your friends are having affairs? Holy shit. Tell me. Give me that cheese, man. What the fuck? <laughs> Hell Yes. Uh, that which very charming. I, I, good. I liked it. I'm charmed by these two. They're nice. I enjoy spending time with them. She goes up to New York. Uh, George is left hanging around the apartment, kind of waiting for her to call, being increasingly anxious about her being away. With um, Oliver. With Oliver. More Oliver. Who is more making Oliver. it worse. No more Chuck. No more Mr. Fix-It. Who might be like, hey man. Uh, that's still my sister. I know that I'm the wacky comic relief here, and we're making fun of me because I'm mentally ill, but that's my sister, dude. Like, it, it would be so much better if, uh, if the brother was there being like, yeah, man, this is my sister. I, I'm, I, like, I'm having a moment of clarity between my, uh, my multiple personalities. 
Um, honestly, a, a line that would have worked is he'd be like, man, there's three of us, and we all agree that you have to treat her better. Bing, bang, boom. So good! Easy! Pay so off easy. on multiple personality guy. <laughs> Instead, you got Oliver being like, I don't give a shit about anything you got going on. I don't really care. Want to hear about a time he f- I fucked? And he's like, oh my god. Part one of the reasons I need to go make up with my wife is I need to get the fuck away from you. <laughs> like, that's kind of Oliver's role is just be so unpleasant that he's like, I, if I don't get my wife back, you're my future. Just being with you all the time. for Because some reason you have unfettered access to my house. So, bye. <laughs> Let's just get to the... So he goes and he meets her in her hotel in New York. In like the middle of the night, he rushes up uh, to her. And he's like, he's like, hey, I love you. I miss you. I'm sorry. Here's some steps I'm going to take. Uh, and he shows her, like, Avon made some sketches and made some calls. Uh, I'm going to move my practice into the house. So I'm going to start being here. We're going to open up an office here. I'm also going to take less patients. Let's, let's go through this together. Yeah. And it's sweet. It's nice. It's beautiful. I like I like this moment. Then they fuck. And, and it's, then they it's fuck. It's lovely. <laughs> then, then they fuck hardcore for like three days. And it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, they straight, they straight up say like, hey, we're in New York. We've got a hotel room. Let's let's do this. Whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. It's, it's good. So, so, so I mean, let's let's have the let we, we normally do this question at the end, but we should do it now. We do. Marty, we need to do it now. Yeah. Based off of what you have seen. Would you green light this show? With slight edits, yes. Yeah. With some changes, yes. With and by some changes I mean I would cut Oliver and we would have a long, long discussion about Chuck. Yes. Uh, but otherwise <laughs> Chuck needs some work. But uh But otherwise I don't hate this idea. You know, you you've already got Golden Girls, which proves that audiences will tune in. For the stories of older women. And so here is a bit of a change. Of the family comedy dynamic. That was so popular at the time. Uh, there's so many different families on TV. And this is like what happens. When your family shrinks. Back to a meeting. I like Paul Dooley. I love Rita Moreno. I think they were good together. Their scenes were good. They were believable. They were fu- They were funny. They were sweet. I would spend more time. With George and Renee Corliss. Yeah. I think I, I think that element, the core element worked, and the concept works. It, it, yeah, it's 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 an original premise. Like, you, you have a billion shows about families and stuff like that. Um, you don't have a lot of shows about people whose kids are out of the house. Because shows kind of tend to avoid not having kids in it, because kids are like a nonstop source of antics. So, right, right, right. And, and, that, and that's also, like... How you get the kids to watch the show, right? The, yeah. Or to make their parents mad and to bug their parents to watch the show because they see the kid that looks like them that they want to be. Yeah, whatever. So, so like, this is very clearly, like, this is a grown-up show. Like, mm-hmm. this is a show for adults. Uh, also, I feel like the the thing that they were, like, leaving at the end of him putting his practice in the home, that's great. That's a good hook. That allows you to do a lot of stuff. Him, him treating patients out of the house. That's good. All of his doctor bits were very funny. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I I was all about this. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to say I was all about this. But I there were some 
glimmers of goodness there that I would have given a chance to. Uh, if, if if this came on like on cable, I would watch it. I would. I wouldn't. I I I wouldn't like actively seek it out, but I would. I would watch this if it came on. It might be a show like CBS's smash hit Ghosts, where yeah. I'm the only one who watches it, and I and I'm like, y'all should check out Ghosts. It's pretty good. Y'all should check out Ghosts. It's I'll pretty watch good. Ghosts, sure. Right. Yeah. So that is where we leave things. Intermission. Okay. Dan, please tell me what how what a horrible person Blanche is. Okay. So. Again, you are not supposed to watch Golden Girls in rapid succession. It is not a show that meant that is meant to be uh, a marathon because it rapidly two things rapidly become clear. Dorothy is trapped in hell, surrounded by three women that are extremely mean to her and cause her constant pain. And two, Blanche is a fucking monster. I'm I'm gonna list off some things off the top of my head that she has done that is horrible. Uh, stealing her friends' cars so that she can crash into men at intersections to meet them. Uh, That's just the Cronenberg movie Crash. Yes. Trying to fuck her dead husband's brother. That's just the Cronenberg movie My Dead Husband's Brother. (laughs) Fucking, prior to his death, uh, her friend's husband. Disapproving of her daughter's interracial relationship. That's just the Paul Haggis movie Crash. (laughs) (laughs) Being a member of a Confederacy cosplay group. Um, and having a lot of problematic opinions about that. Being very uh, disapproving of her brother being gay. At one point, getting her friend actually arrested for a chance to meet a guy. Specifically, her friend was dating a guy that she had a crush on, so she had her arrested. She reported that she was in a stolen vehicle so that she would get arrested so she could go on a date with the dude. Oh, oh, and the big one skipping her father's funeral because she was in a mild fight with her sister. That's one of like a thousand examples of her being a fucking psychopath. Like basically her overarching thing is she is constantly trying to meet men and get laid. And there is literally nothing that can get in between her and that old man dick. She will slit a child's throat without blinking an eye for six inches. Swear to God. We're like most amoral cre- uh, character ever put to screen. All right. So there's a real easy fucking fanfic prompt for y'all out here right there. Uh, let's just let's just shift some timelines around. Let's go ahead and pretend that How I Met Your Mother and Golden Girls happened at the same time. Just Barney Stinson and uh, Blanche Devereaux hook up, and they just have monstrous sex, like for like just they quarantine each other. With, with the way that Blanche is written, that plot ends with her detonating a dirty bomb in downtown Miami. Like she is, there is nothing that woman is not capable of. Um, I, I mean, actually, I would kind of really, I, I like most people, so insane people. I gave up on how I met your mother. I would really love it if uh, that was like a recurring theme that our like womanizing character had just like a recurring older lady that showed up in his life and fucked his shit up. Honestly, <laughs> they must have been kicking themselves that they started that show after she died. They must have been yeah. like, fuck, we could have made would her have been his the mother. Best, best stunt casting would have been real easy stunt casting. Would have been fantastic. They would have 100% made her his mom. Um. Okay. All right. So, so. Intermission over, and what I have just said is, uh, that is where we leave things. 
one year later. Yes. Time jump. Marty, con- Marty, good news. They picked up the show. It was greenlit. Our wishes came true. Hey. Oh, we we get more time with Paul. We are sorry. We 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 get more time with Renee and George. No. We're gonna get to. No. No. Well, what about Mr. Fix? Nope, well, gone. Oliver? All. Well, actually. Fuck! I have good news for you, bud. Oliver sticks around. Oliver endures like the cockroach he is after a <laughs> nuclear blast. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to so, Empty uh, Nest Singular, baby. <laughs> so there, So there is a show on NBC. It is called Empty Nest. It runs for seven <laughs> fucking seasons. In the latter two seasons, Sophia from the Golden Girls joins the cast and is just there for two years and for some reason. I can I can summarize plot of um of uh, Empty Nest Singular pretty easily. Alexa, write a sitcom. Uh, that is basically, it is the most cookie cutter bullshit. I do want to add one important bit of context before we explain this, the plot of Empty Nest Singular. Between the backdoor pilot and the launch of the show, Full House came out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that really makes a difference. Yes. So, Marty, what is Empty Nest Singular about? Oh, well, Empty Nest is about a widowed pediatrician whose children, whose adult daughters, come back to live with him after their marriages fail. Meaning, it is most decidedly not an empty nest. It is, in fact, a full fucking house. It is the least empty a nest could possibly be. They, not only, not only is is it a guy with his two adult daughters who moved back home with him. There is also some fucking rando rolling through and a dog. The nest is so full. It's There's a very full nest. There are, in addition to, like, other, uh, other extents, uh, other tertiary cast members like his uh nursing assistant and other people that roll through love interests come through it is the fullest nest it is it is actually i mean the later shows it feels most like were probably cbs's becker because it's about a curmudgeonly doctor and his office uh and two and a half men yeah deep it it if two and a half men was just two women, yeah, and their dad, I don't know, but it, it's same 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 sort sort of idea. So who's uh, the Charlie it, Sheen in this scenario, Marty? Oliver. <laughs> right, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Actually, actually, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind because I'm gonna say something in a little bit when we get through this. Uh, but keep 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 the Charlie Sheen uh two and a half men thing fresh in your brain. Uh, the other thing that happens, by the way, is just that, like, that pilot, that episode of the Golden Girls, everyone hated. Rita yeah. Moreno specifically was like, this sucks. I don't want to work on this anymore. Which is a shame, because she's good in it. Like She's great again, in it. She's good, but yeah. Moreno, call, like, criticized it. Uh, she said, 
Oh, so this might explain a little bit of context. She explained that the script desperately needed rewrites from creator Susan Harris, uh, but she was, but Susan Harris was very sick during the week of shooting, so they left it to other writers to fix. So yeah, they really were just making up the script on the fly. According to Moreno, quote, every day they kept changing my character to the extent that by the time we got to do it in front of an audience, I couldn't remember line one because the attitudes had changed so many times. That was the most ex- embarrassing experience. We must have done, I would guess, about 15 takes in front of an audience. So Rita Moreno has a horrible time. Yeah. And Rita Moreno still has pull. So she hates this shit. So two factors there. Full House comes out. And the Empty Nests episode bombs. And its star says, this sucks, I'm out. Yeah. All right. So then they revamp it. Uh, to be a show about uh, Mr. A- Fixit definitely feels like a character of like I don't know what if what if there's a guy named Mr. Fixit? Yeah, that that I, he is an I, abrupt tonal shift. I cannot believe for a second that Mr. Fixit is in the original first draft by Susan Harris. Like I just for that's a floor rewrite if I have ever seen one. Yeah. Uh, Kind of feel like they just pulled that actor off. Like we just have this guy for the day. Go, go, vamp, vamp. He, he was gonna be an extra, but now he has several speaking lines. So, all right. So, so our new character, our new pediatrician, our new doctor is Doctor Harry Weston. He's uh, a pediatrician. He's cranky old man. Most of the time, he just talks to his dog Dreyfus. He says Dreyfus's name about twenty fucking times. Like the first eight minutes are just this man talking to a dog. It's very sad. The, uh, the intro is mostly him and the dog. It's like a guy and his dog having fun together. Also, his daughter's here, and back to the dog. They're getting in bed. Like there's, they blow past all the other details, and it's just dog time. Our doctor, his name is Harry. Yeah, his name is Harry. It's been a couple of years since his wife has died, and pretty much the crux of this episode is uh, a woman that he has been uh, having dinner with every week for the past year or so says, hey, uh, what's our deal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and more specifically, she's, she like says, hey, do we have a date on Friday? And he goes, date? We're not dating. I don't date anyone. What? We're not dating. And she's like, if we're not dating, how, uh, what, what are we fucking doing here, man? Like, we've been, we've been having dinner every Friday for, for a year. Come okay. on, man. This is an important question. In your view from these interactions, are they fucking? I don't think so. I don't think, in fact, in fact, in fact, he specifically says we, no, I know they, they're they not, because he specifically says, we've never had sex, we've never even kissed. That makes and this then, so much more insane. Like, right? You know, I don't have issue with this part of it. I don't have issue with this part of the episode at all. Uh, because you don't? Because I'm about to have some fucking issues with it. I don't have issue with this part of the episode because, you know what? Man's wife died, all right? It's it's you you've with someone for a long time. No, I don't you have don't issue really with it on his end. She's fucking nuts. She's nuts. She comes up. No, 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 no. Mm. 
So she says, so first she says, like, let's let's say what we are actually doing. But then she elevates it. She's like, hey, how about we get married? And that's when he goes, what? And I couldn't tell how serious that was. But he definitely was dro- drops. He, he, she drops a proposal there. It's like, hey, let's get married. He says, that's when he says, we've never had sex. We've never even kissed. We do kiss. I will say she does have a point when she says, like, look, if we're not getting together, if we're not doing this, I need to move on with my life. Okay. The marriage thing is, the marriage thing is, is to, to my mind, the marriage thing is crazy. But also, if I was a 67-year-old widower, maybe I would think differently. I don't know. Okay, no. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take a pretty hard stand here. So they're. He, she announces that they have been dating for a year, despite the fact that they have never even kissed. They have just been hanging out, being friends, having dinner. He thought that they were in a platonic relationship. She announces, no, this has been a romantic relationship for the past year, and now you have to marry me, or we can't be friends anymore. And he is like, well, this is a really important relationship in my life i'm not ready for anything romantic because my wife died a year ago uh and you have been one of the pillars of my life in recovering from that so i am so desperate to keep you in my life that i am considering marrying a stranger which is exacerbated by the fact that one of his live-in adult daughters says she hit on you at the funeral (laughs) Yeah. So, so and, and there there's a conflict here because one of the daughters is like, "Yay, she's wonderful." I think this woman's name is Eva or something. Eva's great, and the other woke daughter is like, "Eva's a bitch, and she tried to move in on you at mom's funeral." So, you know, it's oh this this fucking show, man. This show is garbage, by the way. Yeah, uh, this show sucks so hard. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just add a quick detail in every scene that we describe. Imagine that the camera is pointed slightly in the wrong direction. Uh, (laughs) Somebody, the bottom of somebody's head is always cut off. Something is slightly out of frame. It is never centered. It's always ass. So, uh, yeah, so she says specifically, she moved in on you. Um, Basically, this lady is preying upon a sad old man to try to get a husband. He is in a very, like, a vulnerable place. And then she immediately pressures him for marriage. She could be like, hey, let's go official. Let's say explicitly, we are dating. And we are in a romantic relationship. Instead, she's like, marry me. It's fucked up. This lady's nuts. And very mean. I agree with with the critical daughter. Um, can I can I just say this show is actually extremely mean. This is a very mean show. Yeah, like it's mean spirit. It's it's so weird to me how like this show has the veneer of all of those like overly cheery like '90s TV shows. You know, it it really it's got the friendly dog and the old man. And oh, it's just a, it's a fucking catty bitchy show, and nowhere is that more apparent. In the character of Carol Weston. Carol is Harry's daughter, one of the daughters. He has two daughters, a younger one, and the older one is like, it's like a cop. She's like a tough one. She's like a plucky cop. Yeah. And and they both live with him for some reason? I think at this point, they don't live with him. 
I, uh, I watched I think... a season two episode and they both live with him. They they both live with him later. Like yeah. they both they both live with him later. Uh, but I think at this point it might just like they might just be getting ready. But so here's what we know about Carol. Carol is divorced. Hard and, divorced. And everyone is such a fucking dick about it. Like She's... straight up, like 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 you expect it from Oliver. By the way, Oliver is still here. He's got a different name and he's got a different job. He's now some kind of like he's a ship yacht captain. Cap. He's like a ship captain Cruise instead of a pilot. Captain. Cruise ship captain instead of a pilot. Uh, and his name is like Chaz instead of Oliver. But it's the same dude. Yeah. So you expect him to be a piece of shit. Like she's he's like a piece of shit to her and is like, hey, yeah, heard your husband left you for someone hotter. Maybe if you were hotter, your husband wouldn't have. Maybe he wouldn't have left you. He's a fucking dick. Right? He specifically says, "Oh yeah, um, Rita. She was so hot. I would have loved to fuck her. No wonder your husband left you to fuck her. I would have done the same thing." And she's like, "Pay attention to that name. I'm gonna have some thoughts about that name in a minute." She says, "Hey, fuck you. I, you're a dick." And the dad, instead of being like, I'm going to beat the living shit out of you and throw you out of my house and say that if you ever come back into this building, I'm going to kill you. He's like, Chaz, you and your things that you say. Like, every- so, that's, so that's bad enough. But then we get to another scene like later where she's having breakfast with, uh, with her father and her sister. And she's doing the... I'm an 80s, 90s woman, and I'm upset about my weight because she says my talking scale was lying to me. Turns out I don't weigh what I thought I weighed. Oh, she lied. And then her sister's like, huh, first your husband, then your scale. Looks like you can't trust anyone. What the fuck? People come at her throat over this divorce People so are hard. So- mean to her because her husband left this poor vulnerable woman and then again harry's just like girls stop your stupid shit talk about me yeah <laughs> I, just this this show is deeply deeply mean yeah and they, they introduce a nursing uh his he they show him at his job he works with kids now instead of old people yeah, he he really likes the kids, and they have uh, his his foil there, who is an extremely mean nurse, who is very mean to him, and also the kids, and they snipe at each other and talk shit constantly, and also she is a she's from Arkansas, so she is a vehicle for a lot of jokes about how stupid and backwards people from the South are, where she's like, I'm from Arkansas. When we wanted to go to the opera, we just watched two pigs wrestle, or like. Oh, Dayton, I'm from Arkansas. You just fucked your cousin. Yeehaw! Like, just an extremely reductive character. Can we also, Uh, I'm just brief aside, we're jumping either forward or backward in the flow of the show. But when he's at his job, there is a scene where um, he goes into a room. um, This lady's kid ate her very expensive ring and she's like i'm very upset about this my kid ate my ring it was very expensive when am i gonna when is he gonna poop it out um i have a social function that i need it for yeah kind of a fucked up thing to say um and he like insults her to her face in front of the kid 
kicks her out of the room um, and gives the kid his phone number to call him at home and explicitly tells him to not tell his mom that he has his phone number. Says, like, don't tell your mom about this. And then sends him out. He's like, we're going to have some guy talk. All right, your mom's out of the home. She sure is a bitch, right, Tommy? (laughs) Your mom fucking sucks shit. You're going to poop out that ring. Don't eat any rings anymore. Also, here's my home phone number. Call me whenever you just, want, but don't tell your mom. Just, just, just an adult man giving a small child his phone number and saying not to tell the other adult in his life. There's nothing weird here. Nothing weird here. Nothing weird here. He's Women are bitches, guy. right? Yeah. yeah. Like, nothing weird. Jesus Christ. All right. No, here's, like here's, he basically pulls this guy, this kid aside and he's like... So you know bitches, right? <laughs> you know that all went. We we can talk man to man, right, small child? You know that all women are bitches, right? Like this we, we show get each other. hates women. Oh, so I, bad. I, 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 I found it amazing that this show was was uh, created by a woman and that it's supposedly spun off by the Golden Girl of Golden Girls, a show which loves women. Yeah. Uh, and it hates one woman in particular. Here's where I want to jump in. We're going to jump ahead. We're going to jump to uh, the part where Carol calls Harry out. Yeah. The part where where Carol says, fuck, you basically fuck you for trying to move on. Fuck you for, for, for marrying this person. You haven't reconnected with your family at all. And you weren't just gone because of mom. You've been gone for years. You were always gone. You were absent for my entire, my entire childhood. I waited for you. Uh, and there were always other kids that came before me. The the kids that were your patients always took precedence over your kids that were your your that were your you were your kids. And she calls them out on it, and that and then she says, and so here I am, my life has fallen apart, and I'm divorced because of a slut named Rita. And the entire episode stops so that Harry can look at the screen in the middle of of the fucking like dramatic heart of the episode and say well you name your child rita you might just get a slut hey dan quick quick uh, refresher who was the actress in the uh in the first in the first version of of empty nest holy who was that was that was that egot winner egot winner presidential medal of freedom recipient national medal of arts recipient Star of stage and screen, Rita fucking Moreno? Holy shit. This show is so fucking petty that it stops dead in its tracks in what should have been its most dramatic moment to insult, to call out national sweetheart, Rita fucking Moreno. A legend. A woman who... I, I mean this with all sincerity, has more talent in her ass <laughs> than any one of these people, than this entire cast combined. Yeah. Now, Rita, now, disclaimer, Rita Moreno is a very empowered woman. She is a sexually straightforward woman. She is a woman who loves to drop things like, does in fact, like, drop things like, Marlon Brando was better in bed than Elvis Presley. Just to let you know that she fucked both Marlon Brando and Elvis Presley. Possibly at the same time. 
So Rita Moreno might be all on board with like reclaiming that slur and talking about her, but it is only okay when Rita does it. And they did it is not, not okay. mean it in that way. They were like, like they were not like, oh, she's such a slut. They're like, she is a dirty whore. So yeah, this this show just shuts down to fucking badmouth Rita Moreno for not for not wanting to go along with it. It is so the grudge. Remember, over a year has passed. They've retooled the entire thing. Like up until the point where they wrote Charlie Sheen off of uh Two and a Half Men and basically dropped a fucking piano on his head. Yeah. Like it's one of the meanest things I've ever seen from a backstage thing. I'm pissed. Yeah. I'm pissed at this. I didn't realize, I didn't even notice that element to it, but that just adds to the fucking nastiness of it. Because also, after that whole monologue, she's like, I'm in a lot of fucking pain, both from like my current situation and my childhood um, that I'm like working through and having a tough time dealing with. And he's like, all right, that helps me make a decision about my personal life. The important yeah, thing I'm woman. taking away is I'm not going to get married. Like, this poor woman is her husband. Her mom died, and her husband left her. The show should be about her. Yeah, like one hundred percent. She's the only one that is even vaguely relatable because the other sister is just like I'm a cop. I'm plucky. Also, I say mean things to my sister all the time. Three traits. That's it. And then, Seven seasons the show aired. Oh, okay. So I accidentally watched uh, like season two, episode 27, thinking it was the pilot. Very confused. Oh, okay. Um, so you, so you, you, you should have been watching season two, episode 26 of Golden Girls. You watch it eventually. No, no, I put on, this is getting cut out, but I put on the, um, the YouTube video of, uh, Empty Nest Full Show, and for some reason it started with season two, episode 27. Um, Mm -hmm. not only does this situation not improve, the two daughters move into the house and basically regress to teenagers, where they are constantly fighting, uh, over, like, who cleaned my room? Who organized it? One of the lines is, where's my gun? Why would you move my gun? Um, and uh, they make the divorce character much dumber. They kind of turn her into a ditz. Um, and the big conflict is, they're arguing all the time. And Harry has to basically say that uh, he's going on a business trip to Paris. And if they keep fighting, he won't take them along. Um, and these two adult women with careers uh start going like oh daddy we we're not gonna fight we're gonna pretend to be best friends so that you'll take us to paris and at this point i am sitting there being like you both have jobs you both have you can go to paris you are adult women with finances like you are gainfully employed. Just save up to go to Paris. Why are why are these two women suddenly teenage girls? So it start they get infantilized hard, and their whole thing is basically um uh the divorce one becomes an airhead ditz, um, and the uh cop one the- becomes extremely mean. I think I think the cop one also moves back. I think her her Yeah, they they both marriage live in also the house. fails apart, falls apart. And good. Yeah, good. She deserves it. 
uh, fuck, fuck the police, but fuck this one in particular. Yeah. Uh, and so that's it. Again, not an empty nest. The, the no, least empty the nest could be. So, yeah, it's a terrible show. I think only becomes more and more of a pile of mush over the seven seasons it ran, which I think, like, it kind of succeeds by following the full house formula a show i despise um by basically doing like we're not going to have an actual conflict what we're going to do is we're going to have a series of 30 micro conflicts per episode that are immediately resolved within the same scene so it's just kind of a person being like i've misunderstood you and i took issue with something you said and the person going like Actually, that's not what I meant. And then going like, I forgive you. And you just do that four times an episode. And instead of having to like write anything, you just do that. It's complete ass. It is fucking insane that this ran for this long. You could get away with a lot of shit back before you. No, this is in the days of cable, right? Like, yeah. You, you, you had to have some sort of competition. It's very weird. Uh, You can kind of see this sort of like... So this is kind of like the last hurrah of a dying era and actually might be like too late, like too, too late by this point because, uh, empty nest started in 1988, 1989 Seinfeld shows up. Yeah. Right. Seinfeld shows up a year later, uh, and kind of dominates the scene. And eventually that starts to give way towards, towards mad about you. Which kind of changes things in the 90s, the way that we look at uh, the entire must-see TV lineup uh, that NBC does. And this show aired on NBC, by the way, so they were shifting away from that. Uh, so it changes everything. So Empty Nest is, despite the fact that it ran for so long, uh, sort of the dying breath of that style of, of comedy. Or at least it was until it kind of gets reshaped into the Two and a Half Men mold. We... We've, like, dipped our toe into this ocean a couple of times of just the fact that there were, like, underneath all the good shows from, like, the 70s and 80s that we remember and love, there was just this vast ocean of, like, here's some people and some stuff happens. You know, they they talk about coconut trees for a little bit and somebody has something mildly funny to say about it. And you know, there's not really that much of a conflict, but yeah, it's, it's passes the time. You're closer to death, and it wasn't <laughs> painful. So congratulations! And there were just, just decades of that, of just like for every one like good show, there was just like, like you know, like a couple of pals hanging out. It was well, it was always like a man, his wife, the two kids. The two kids say something quirky. The man and the wife disagree, and it's all good. What I've kind of learned is that in TV time, six or seven years is not long at all. Yeah. Six or seven years, which to me it seems like way too long for a TV show to be on. Uh, I believe that all shows should end after five seasons. Uh, mm -hmm. And also all movies should be 90 minutes long. Uh, and also everything is too long these days and expects me to have too many things. We Goddamn kids, which is strangers things. Anyway, um, six years apparently doesn't mean anything. So one of the things we've gotten to do with this show is we get to explore things that I'm going to say are 
forgotten. Empty Nest is forgotten. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit about Empty Nest. It made it was on for seven years. It makes no impact. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes we get to discover little gems uh, that I wish were a little bit more promote, like like well known. That I think may have deserved a little bit better. This is not one of them. This is it's great. I am as I have gotten older, I have become such a sh- sucker for shows like this where everything is fine for the most part, where like the stakes are never too high and things are pretty chill. Yeah. Generally, put one of these on and I'm happy because at this point modern television stresses me out. Um as a brief side note, um uh we've started watching the middle, which is the kind of my I nightmare. love the middle. I I hate the middle, but specifically because um it goes like, "Hey, here's some characters. They're cute, right? You like them? They're they're likable. You enjoy all their little quirks. Yeah, you you like these people. They're in hell. They're they are in, the writers of this show are the devil, and they are in hell. Come every week to watch these delightful people that you love suffer and experience at best pyrrhic victories and experience infinite hardships. Laugh, laugh at their misfortune. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I would rather Can't have that. I would rather have that than have the, like, Parks and Rec, Michael Shore model, this is us kind of model where, like, we love our precious babies and everything is going to work out fine for them for no reason. I've said this many times. Every TV show, every modern TV show needs one designated hater. Every TV show needs one person on in the writing staff who does not like these people uh, and doesn't find their shit charming and will just go ahead and, and fuck with them, right? So I vastly prefer that over just how like annoyingly sweet we've all we've made TV shows and 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 sort of edgeless. And I don't even necessarily think that like you just heard me yell at this show for being mean. I'm not a big fan of like mean TV. I don't even really like Always Sunny. But man, the fucking trend, the Ted Lassofication of other of of TV show has gone the other way, man. It, it, I would vastly prefer the middle where like these characters I like are kind of in a hellish of their own because they live in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, me, it's a lot like Malcolm in the middle. Well, it was uh, a which, it was, uh, yeah, no, it, it, it was it's very, it's very clearly influenced, uh, heavily. So, uh, to the point I would say is, you know, ripping off. But it's also a little bit weird to say it's a ripoff because it came like 10 years later. Uh, anyway, um, point is, I would rather have that than just like, we love these precious babies so much that nothing bad can ever happen to them. Everybody has to get married and, and off and be happy by the end. This show. All right. I think, I think we've, made, we've made our point. Um, so uh, this is what did get greenlit, Dan. Would you fucking greenlight this thing? No, fuck it. Sucks Absolutely shit. not. Would you? Well, okay. So apparently, they actually kept the Golden Girls connection. Right. Sophia yeah, was a gold- cast member for a little bit. Yeah, Sophia shows up. Uh, that's because there was another Golden Girl spinoff, the Golden Tower or something the like that. The Golden Palace. The Golden um, Palace with Don Cheadle. Yes. So. Golden Girls ends basically with Dorothy escaping the premise of Golden Girls, where Blanche 
I'm, I'm going to spoil the ending of Golden Girls. Fuck you. It's been on the it's been off the air forever. Um, Blanche is everyone trying... involved is dead. You can you can spoil the show. Blanche was is trying to bang her uncle, who is played by um, Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> Not exaggerating. Blanche is trying to fuck her dad's brother. And instead of that happening, Dorothy, uh, Dorothy gets married to him, uh, basically says, well, I have to leave, gets the fuck out. And uh, all the remaining Golden Girls decide to open a hotel together with Don Cheadle, which, from what I understand, sucked shit and wasn't very good because B. Arthur was kind of holding that whole premise together. Um, So, yeah, they spun off Sophia and put her in empty nests. Um, So so Golden Golden Tower, Golden Golden Palace shuts down. Shuts down, uh, and then they keep Sophia around and put her into empty nest, which I guess makes I guess it makes more of a makes it more of a uh, spinoff. And then Empty Nest had another spinoff called Nurses, yeah, featuring some of the characters from the Doctor's Office part of of Empty Nest. These are all parts of the Golden Girl cinematic universe. Yes, that spanned uh, two decades. Eh? Fucking nuts. You could just do shit like this back then. It's contrast. We've talked often about how kick-ass it was to be an Andy Griffith room writer, but that shit kept going up until Seinfeld, basically, where you started having to work your ass off. Like, now to be a TV writer, you have to, like, bust your ass on Twitter and, like, be funny there for a prolonged period of time. And then you'll, like, get a a story by credit on like a some fucking Netflix show and you like bounce from that to like a like spec strip to scrap spec strip until you like write half an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And back then you could just be like, Yeah, I'll just what's what's on uh what's on this week? Charles in charge. You need somebody to write an episode? Sure. Bing bang boom, knocked it out in an evening. Uh go back to doing cocaine. It's all pretty good like this shit ruled. <laughs> there was just infinite TV money. Like, you could basically be like, I'm going to get in a car. I'm going to drive to L.A. I'm going to loudly announce that I want to write for television. And somebody will be like, I like your moxie. Get in this building. You're now the head writer on Charles in Charge. <laughs> oh, man. That's how I became an executive producer on Wings. Yeah. Just, just cheer. Just a little bit of gumption. Did you did you like it when uh, Andy Kaufman said my name Latka? I told him to do that. <laughs> I I watched some of Taxi. It sucks. Taxi sucks shit. Taxi feels like Taxi is a show that it feels like should be good and it, it it it's not. It's really the vibes on it are great, but the actual writing is so terrible because all the characters are completely like one note, like. Hey, I'm Tony Danza. I'm a failed boxer. All my jokes are about how I lost a fight. Like, oh, I'm Latka. I'm weird and don't speak English. Uh, Danny DeVito. Yeah, you, I'm short and mean. Like, it's just you. You 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 could do that. Like, honestly, you you could get seven seasons out of just like here's a guy who has a big nose. There you go. Boom! Big, Big Nose Jim. Fridays on Saturday. Fridays on CBS. Yeah, basically. Meanwhile, you're like, oh, 
uh, here's my story about a girl trying to make it in the big city. It needs to explore the darkness of the human experience under modern day capitalism and how uh, social media is crushing the human soul. Does she have uh, trauma? Where's her trauma? Where's has her she, trauma? Has she unpacked her trauma? Where's <laughs> yeah. the trauma? What are you telling us about trauma? Trauma. <laughs> It's wait. It's so worse. TV so is so worse. exhausting day, these days. Everything yeah. is tiring. Speaking of being tired, I'm tired of talking about this. This is gonna be a fun one to edit. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/BreakingMayberry. As always, you can get us on the internet. Uh, we are maybe on Twitter. I have no idea at this point. At Break Mayberry until Elon shuts the whole thing down because we made fun of him. Uh, and Patreon.com/slash/BreakingMayberry. Uh, tune in to our Facebook group. I guess maybe we'll all go back there at some point. Facebook is Breaking Mayberry fans. Email us. We haven't gotten a nice email in a while. BreakingMayberry at gmail.com. Uh, support us with your... I've already said to plug the Patreon. Uh, thanks, it, everybody, for listening. Review us online because an Andy Griffith fan just fucking roasted the shit out of us for not yeah. a- for not understanding the premise of the show so uh we need to get that rating back up guys we gotta lit the fuck up yeah please please go ahead and leave us a rating and review on the podcast catcher of your choice but preferably apple podcasts uh and that's it i'm marty schneider this is dan ludwig do not let the back door hit you on the way out Sure.